This is episode 24 with Joey Dornboss. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. How happy am I getting to share my interview with Joey Dornboss of The Bang Ups? I've gotten to work with them for over eight years as their manager, and the intro song to the podcast is one of theirs called Keep Walking. A new album is in the works, so visit facebook.com bangups to get all the latest, and visit their YouTube page to see some of the fun music videos they have created. All right, let's get into Joey's interview. Growing up, what were some of your musical influences? Uh, probably Ray Bolt and Sandy Patty and uh, Wayne Watson. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music. Oh, we listened yeah. to oldies every once in a while. Yeah. So that was good, but um, yeah. Didn't, didn't really get into music, like music never really touched my soul. Yeah. Probably until I was around 16, and that okay. would be like Gavin Rosdale from Bush, mm-hmm. and uh, Weezer, 1990s, early 90s stuff. Cool. Um, so how how did you meet Brent from the Bang Ups or in many other musical projects prior? Um, Brent and I went to church when we were little, and our parents went to the same church, so we met through church. I was um, Brent's like six years younger than me. Yeah. Um, and I'm nervous. <laughs> I haven't felt nervous in like a year. Whoa. <sighs> Oh, I haven't done anything. I've been yeah. tucked away. Yeah, you've been in a cave. I'm nervous. I'm seen. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so I was real good friends with his brother, his big brother Brandon. Okay. Um, and and we were the same age, so Brent kind of tagged along um, on our adventures, and that's how I met him. I remember a story that you both told me about, like, when Brent, like, was like, I want to learn how to play drums with, like, like, Joey. Um, I don't, do do you know that? I know Brent's not here. How he used to be, like, a little kid, basically, to me, and he looked up to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's this, we, it's this tiny little town we grew up in. Yeah. And there was one cafe, which was, like, elite thing to come to our town a place that sold like lattes or something mm-hmm. um but the people that ran it were pretty cool and they let all of us kids go and play music right um and around the same time i was getting into music i think brent kind of started thinking about drums um and they had these open mic sessions and one night at this place it was called Cowtown cafe okay um I think I asked him to just come and play drums. Yeah. And he, he apparently that was a, like a jaw-dropping, nerve-wracking, crazy experience for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But whatever. I'm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys are like brothers now, so it's like. Yeah, definitely brothers. Yeah. Um, what was the first band uh, that you were <laughs> you were ever in? Um, Soul Conversion. <laughs> Okay. Oh man. We, I, my, it was a strange, sad, um, beginning to music. 
in some ways. In other ways, it was great. Um, but so the first in, impulse, like you get the bug and you realize, holy crap, you can make music. Um, my first impulse was Nirvana. It was like Smells Like Teen Spirit. When that, it was just like, that is the most powerful, amazing music that has ever existed. And it was um, at, for the time. Uh, and so the first inclination was make that, just do that. But then your social programming and parental uh, influences start to, you know, lurk, lurk up because they possess you. And you're like, right. wait, I should do the right thing. And at that point, I had some crazy idea that the right thing was to make music for Jesus and that it had to be labeled Christian. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, growing up it, in West it, Michigan, at least. <laughs> There's a lot of that influence. Yeah. yeah. So it, Brent and I, I don't actually know if Brent was in that band, but Brent's big brother played keyboard in that band. Okay. He was originally supposed to be the lead singer of that band, actually. And at that time, I was, I was so into it, I think I just bulldozed my way into singing. Uh, but yeah, it was, that was Soul Conversion. That was the first band. <laughs> And then, and then, where did that lead to? Because I know there were like, uh, yeah, like the vigilantes happened. And yeah, there's like, like the I think punk. Bang Up is Bang Ups is the um, seventh or eighth band. So we had Soul Conversion, <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a band called Tear. Okay, <laughs> I don't even think I knew about Which, that one. Yeah, we yeah. did a, uh, yeah, that was, and there was. A band called Oscar. Okay. That was, we never played a show, show. We almost played a show at the intersection, and then I quit the band. Okay. And started my serious solo project at 18. <laughs> that because I really needed to start my career back then. Yeah. Which I had no idea how to do. Yeah. Or maybe still, I have no idea what to do. Um, <laughs> and then there was a band called Grounded, still in the clutches of. Christian music, like firmly. Yeah. Uh, grounded last for, lasted for six months. Around that time, Brent started to filter back into my life. I thought he was this cool dude. He's like punk rock, pop punk at the time. Mm -hmm. It was hardcore punk for like a you know two horse town. Um, anyway, so then we started a band called Clearly Blind, which was basically Blink One and E Two with Christian lyrics. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then we started to like rock and roll in 60s and the 50s started to uh, get its hooks in me personally and st I started sensing oh I started coming out of the haze and the hip hypnotized, hypnotized state of thinking things needed to be Christian plus there was this raging lust to be famous in uh, yeah. whatever non other nonsense there were lots of nonsense involved there. Uh, then th this band called Vigilantes happened, which was basically just rock and roll. Um, and then that fell apart, and I went away for a while, um, and Bang Ups kind of grew up out of that. Um, and there, there we go. I mean, there were really there were like high hopes for Vigilantes, like a record. Wasn't there like a possible record? There deal? was huge high hopes. Yeah. Um, uh, there was not necessarily a record deal, but we had some wealthy people who yeah. believed in us. 
um, and some just crazy, insane stuff happened. Everything that could possibly go wrong to destroy a band, um, I mean, it, it went wrong. Yeah. Just relationship stuff. Uh, Brent and I were in love with the same girl. Uh, drugs. Just then, it just man, it was just terrible. But yeah. bang ups grew up out of it. A more honest thing grew up out of it. And uh, what did you what did you learn in between that and bang ups? Like what what like yeah? What did you learn from those experiences and what? Oh, vigilantes, after vigilantes, it was everything changes and I know nothing. Uh, and that, and it wasn't like, it wasn't just a, uh, what do you call that, an axiom mm -hmm. uh, or a cliche. It was deep, deep down knowing that if you are out to find some permanent thing that is touched by time, you're fucked. Uh, and, you, and you need to hold things lightly including everything you think you believe or know yeah uh, so just a real deep down uh, um, uh, one stage in letting go since then many other things have been you know yeah life does not let you get away with shit so bang-ups yeah and then through bang-ups there's been a lot of, a lot learned um, the biggest thing from Bang Ups, it's been that I've realized I have a deep, deep down uh, inferiority complex. And that's driven me this whole time. And, and with inferiority yeah. complex comes a power complex. So if there's, there are these aspects of ourselves that we lock away and we say, you're not good enough to be seen. You're not good enough. And, and with that comes this need to somehow feel worthy, so being a big, huge, famous band, and, and even in Bang Up's case, it, the, it, I mean, there was a direct uh, desire to make it a, an his, a historic band, like Ramones, Beatles. So, yeah. I mean, that's a direct reflection of how little I thought of a certain area of myself. Um, so, just this frantic, I mean, 20 years I've been doing this or more and yeah. it's just been this what I what I took pride in as like it was passion or it was uh like this admirable mission that I was on it was literally this frantic terrified effort to somehow feel good about myself uh wow it, yeah you know yeah and there it's it's been there, there's like a there's, there's needed to be a sifting because there's a genuine love for music. Yeah. Um, I'm 35 now, so, I mean, I know how music works. There's a skill there. Yeah, but you this, have an amazing, yeah, you do have an this, amazing skill. But this cr literally insane desire right. to find an identity in it, um, a lot has had to be shed, a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, like actually getting to the place where I can say, okay, yeah, that's it. Now, like, what do we do from here? Right. Sort of thing. Yeah. Right. I I met Joey, Joe for the listeners out there. I met Joey back in two thousand. I think it was two thousand eight. After I got back from traveling around the world, mm -hmm. and I remember 
I was, um, I didn't have enough money to move back to LA. <laughs> I was sleeping on the couch of uh, Carolyn and uh, Grant. Like, uh, Joey was the new roommate that just moved in, like, three or four, um, like, three or four days before I started, like, sleeping on the couch. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, Joey, you, like, playing, like, music, like, behind, like, on your guitar, behind, like, your room, just, like, practicing, like, every day. Mm -hmm. um, and if anyone ever gets to see Joey or the Bang Ups ever play, like, they're amazing. They're so good live. All the music that, like, you hear, like, at the beginning of the intro of the Isle of Music podcast, like, that's them. Like, they're, they're, they're so fantastic. So I, that's my plug. It's my plug for the Bang Hubs and Joey and Brent. But um, yeah, it was just like a really unique connection because like I really I didn't really ever get to see the Vigilantes play back in back in Grand Rapids. Um, minus like I think there was like a New Year's Eve reunion show. I uh, oh yeah 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 mm -hmm. there was that and then um, so it was just uh, I don't know. I just, yeah, you guys are awesome. I wish Brent Brent was uh, supposed to be here tonight, but he got sick, so <laughs> <laughs> he he uh, he couldn't be here. But um, so what have what have been some like things that um you've learned like along the way, uh, like with bang ups, um, like maybe like songwriting wise. Okay, one cool thing, one little tip that I I don't think a lot of songwriters know about that has helped me mm -hmm. immensely in just getting a chorus to lift the song because mm -hmm. the point well if you're writing standard verse chorus verse chorus instrumental bridge solo chorus you know standard structure yeah. i mean you want that chorus to lift and and there's a distinct feeling that a good chorus produces uh and I was listening to an interview uh, by, uh, what's his name, Simon and Garfunkel. It's not Garfunkel, Simon. Paul, Simon. Paul Simon. Yeah, that's his name. He was talking about how you, you, you need to make sure that the first note you sing, and this is just, it's so stupid and so simple, but I swear it helps. The first note that you sing in the verse needs to be different than the first note you sing in the chorus. And so you just you just you just check that whatever key you're in and find out what that first note of the verse is and pick a different one. Go through every note in the key and just see where the melody kind of lifts off to oh, for the chorus. Interesting. And you also want to then also try the um, the idea of um, don't don't come in on the same beat as you right. do on the on the verse or just. Be careful. Don't you don't need to just rush to saying what you want to say. Um, explore all the different points that you can drop those lines in, uh, and work on and, and think of uh, the voice as a rhythm instrument too, um, as well as obviously the melody and the word deliverer. Uh, so that's one big awesome thing for get, getting choruses to lift. Um, another thing was from this guy named Lauren Israel. Mm -hmm. um, who we worked with for a little bit, and he's got this method where you just use four chords. And when he first told us this, I thought it was, the, I thought it was just an exercise to stretch us, not a way to write songs. Like restrict yourself to four chords 
from beginning to end. Um, and I definitely want to advise anybody to just go strictly to that rule. But if you're having trouble getting a song to work, um, just trying to simplify it down to repetitive chords can sometimes uh, grab this thing by the tail and, you know, it, the songs can be so elusive to make work. Uh, so just little tricks like that, like just cut it down to the same chords through the whole thing. Um, and seriously, we probably could talk about this for hours and hours and <laughs> No, hours this is like fascinating to me. This is like so good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just, uh, there's a million different ways to get at a song. Um, previously to the way I'm writing songs now, it was always lyrics, which I do not stand by anymore. Uh, it, it was uh, lyrics first, um, and it was just this just devastatingly painful, like etching out a song from solid rock, which, I mean, it, it can work sometimes, but if you, it's like, I would spend two weeks getting the lyrics perfect without melody necessarily, and, and you would go for this deep meaning. Oh, wow, okay, um, yeah. In, in the content of the lyrics, and then you'd find out, wait, this melody that's coming along with this utterly sucks, and the song sucks. And now this whole idea, this meaning, this meaningful content from my life is pretty much worthless now. Uh, or, or maybe you're just so tired, you, you don't have enough energy to pivot to another melody or musical arrangement. Um, now I've just been, I mean, I've let go of a lot of this, this, cr this crazy nuts infatuation with being famous. Although it, it definitely is in there, it, it always comes back every now and then says, hey, try this, this might do it. Right. Just this, just, it's literally insane. Uh, but since I've been not listening to that crazy voice as much, songs just pop out of nowhere. Like I'll, um, I'll just be driving along at the job that you got me, the <laughs> delivery job. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just notice that I'm singing an entire song. Um, yeah, so that's how the songs are coming along these days. So, like, going back into identity stuff, because I feel like, I mean, for me, like, I live in L.A. now. Um, that is just, like, on the forefront of everyone's minds there, of, like, everyone, like, working in, like, the movie industry or in the entertainment industry of, like, want wanting to be famous like oh, yeah. you know chasing chasing down that like infinite yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, because I, I think i i haven't been th i haven't been through this yet yeah I, i'm still going through it so yeah. but i do suspect that the people who actually impact the world that are famous, that all of us are trying to be like or get what they believe these people have. Right. Um, what we believe these people have. Uh, it is not possible. I'm not sure that it's possible to, because what it take, what these people do, these famous people, they give. Like people give a shit about them because a lot of people actually get something from them. And so 
everything that drives that drove me and I, I don't know people good enough to know that it drives most of us scrambling and scraping to be famous yeah um, but it, it it's all about me it, it's like this all you're doing is just trying to feel good about yourself and it's this big dumb blunt instrument that is fame where yeah. you have an idea that in your head that once I'm trending along with Brad Pitt on Twitter I'll have this good feeling about myself and I'll have peace and I'll be full and it'll last forever um, and it's that's just in it's it, it's such a cowardly way to live and I, I'm, not, I'm not I'm saying I have been a coward for most of my life um, it's I mean the most terrifying thing is actually doing this unglamorous boring work of actually facing this thing you've been avoiding your whole life yeah um, and, and it involves nobody thinking you're great it actually might involve being humiliated uh, it actually, I, I, for me, it absolutely involves um, not running from things. Yeah. Um, Head, heading, so heading things. Just it, and on. also, I think it, I've, the last couple of days I realized um, it has to do with how you treat others too, um, because this this part of yourself that you've banished, um, it's it's banished because of the story you're telling yourself and the story you're living and the things you believe. Um, and those beliefs come out in the way you treat other people. Um, so for me, there's this part of myself that I have deemed uh, not suitable for anyone to see and I'm vicious to it and it's sad, you know, it's, mm -hmm. this is myself and I'm just, I'm awful to myself. Yeah. And so I have this intolerance for this just helpless thing that's in me. That's the way it is. And so um, a way I think, one way to help uh, heal that is to look at yourself and how you treat others for things that they can't help. Um, yeah. Like this impatience, like, I don't know, you're behind this elderly person that can hardly walk because they're old and their their body is falling apart, and right. you have this this rage that wells up, this impatience, or mm -hmm. um, and that to to know to catch yourself doing that, and 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 know that that viciousness in you uh, is the same thing you're you're showing yourself. Uh, I don't know. It's just. I haven't had time to really think this through entirely and articulate it, but yeah. uh, just as a general rule, one step I think for me is just um, being more patient with people, especially for things that are clearly outside of their power. Yeah, I think that, that has great wisdom. Do you have any fun uh, uh, tour stories or uh, like from being on the road or? Uh, that's one I, I've never been really a good performer. Uh, it's always been this. It's been a just ah uh, the amount of work. Yeah. It's like w squeezing water from a turnip 
for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it all has to do, like the only thing that made me do this was this, uh, just this deep desire to feel like I was worth a damn. And that I wanted this identity and, and, yeah. and that, inc that inc I mean, came with forcing my mind body to do things that it really isn't that good at. Mm. Uh, the amount of time and work I put into trying to uh, be basically sell a band to people yeah. from the stage, um, it's just been, it's too much work for the little result that it gets. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's got, you yeah. got to come to a point where it's like, okay, I'm just not a performer. That's all right. Yeah. I can write songs. I mean, from what I've seen, you're an amazing performer from the manager's standpoint. And well, I know I know how much... Amazing like, performers, draw, I mean, yeah. they draw people. They, yeah. it, it just didn't catch on. It didn't, yeah. People yeah. didn't um, yeah. go nuts enough. Right. And so, and, and, then, and then, I mean, people have limits. And, yeah. and I have limits. Yeah, everyone has limits. <laughs> um, so maybe... I mean, the tank's empty for that right now. Right. That's okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Where does your inspiration for songwriting come from? How how does that, how, how does... Oh, I think it just, lately I've, I've kind of realized that I need to um, have a steady diet of good music um, daily and, and listen for hours at a time and listen almost in a meditative <clears throat> state. Okay where you just allow the music to uh, just penetrate you and just uh, without questioning or thinking just let it just wash through you uh, and I think it gets in my blood because I'll just catch myself the next day um, doing some melody or something that's a derivative of mm -hmm. something I listened to a month ago, or and I can feel. I think it's important to have a a diet of quality music. What was your question? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just. <laughs> what was my question? Yeah. Oh, uh, how do you get inspired? That, yeah, I just listen know? to music, really. Yeah, like for songwriting and. Yeah. And you know what else I've noticed? Uh, You'll be doing something, and you know how people whistle when they're afraid? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, uh-huh. Like, just going through life, little tremors of fear come in everyday life um, for whatever reason, and songs are in there. Like, pay attention to when you're humming to yourself uh, or not. Just, yeah. I mean, if you're a songwriter, if you're doing this, you're just yeah. automatically attuned and on guard for when a song is out there. Right. Yeah. That's good. Why do you love music? Music is truth. It is the truth. Uh, and the way you know that is because it arouses uh, emotion, sometimes mm -hmm. profound, deep emotion without words. So you're getting, with music, you're, you're getting at a place that is not, you can't speak about. I mean, that's, I mean, poetry does the same yeah. thing. It, um, so, I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm leery of people who, who don't love music or are indifferent to it. I'm not, I feel like there's got to be something that they're not in touch with mm -hmm. uh, or they've cut some parts of themselves out. 
because it's tr it's the truth. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. It, interesting. I'm reading this guy named Ken Wilbur, who is a uh, maybe one of the smartest people who have ever lived. Just mm -hmm. an amazing dude. And he talks about um, music um, corresponding to certain levels of the human psych or, the, or whatever the human being is, some people, whatever. Um, and he talks about rock and roll um, directly touching the power sex part of a person. Like they just get up and kill it, rule the yeah. ass sort of thing. See things like rap is like the the like the primal like street survival thing. It just it it touches that part of the human. Mm -hmm. he, and he goes into like classical music, touching some of the more subtle levels cool. of existence. Cool. I need to read. I need to um, read. Well, this is just one little paragraph in this book. Oh wow! Uh, it's it's kind of like a, a sampling of his work overall. Yeah. He, he touches on literally every. Um, point of human endeavor mm -hmm. just a really really cool good guy uh but that's it was so interesting as soon as i read that, it was just yesterday last night i read that i was like man i have to make a playlist that goes from rap to rock and roll to these particular composers to these higher composers it's just so interesting anyway getting back to music why you love it right because it's, it's truth and it corresponds to what we're made of and you yeah. know, that sort of stuff um Mine is, I mean, I mean, the identity issue, you know, is huge. But what other challenges have you encountered along the way of, like, working, being a musician and working in music? You just get a sense to trust. Going into the business side of stuff, um, so I want, I mean, I wanted to be a popular, famous musician. Mm -hmm. uh, and so... You, it helps to have people in the business. Um, so we got involved with some people in music, like the higher levels, and they just wanted to change us. And so there is a compromise. We just I just sold out, basically, um, yeah. and made stuff I thought was great and I still do think is great. Um, but it was to appease and to meet these other people halfway. And the thing is, is there's nothing wrong with that if you feel free and good about it. But the whole time, there's this, like, uh, hair-curling sense that this is not what you should be doing. Red alert, don't do this. But then there's that other voice that says, but I, ha I have to have this sense of myself that I'm worth a damn. Like, it just that is so powerful. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you sell out and you make a bunch of music, and then, you, and then the thing fails, which happened in our case um, commercially, whatever. It just didn't do what we, it didn't, right. We're not famous now. Yeah. No, hardly, pretty much no one that's listening to this podcast knows who the Bang Ups are or knows who I am. Minus some people, like, over in... <laughs> <laughs> over in the UK. Oh, okay. <laughs> like imposter. Imposter oh. was playing on the, on oh, the yeah. airport. Yeah. The, the, Just a little, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There is, you know what yeah. you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Um it's just this it that's a it's a bitter bitter thing. I think there's a special pain in that. Um cuz if you if you just 
doggedly are true to what you want to do mm-hmm. and it's just it's pure and there's no out and it's just yeah it's just what you want to do you're not second guessing what uh, you naturally would go about how you naturally would go about writing I mean if it fails then I mean it, it's pure that's what it did um, but when you when you don't listen to what the warnings these this sense of Oh, something's wrong. Yeah. Um, I think at the end of that, if it doesn't work out, it just is awful. It's a horrible feeling. Yeah. And it's so interesting because um, I was I listened to this um, David Lynch audio book called Catching the Big Fish, and he talks about making this movie called Dune, which was a corporate sellout movie. Apparently, uh, he compromised a lot of mm-hmm. the artistic integrity. Uh, to appease the studio, and it tanked. And he, I, I mean, these words haunt me, and I don't want them to be true for me. Um, but he's like, he he says, doing that, selling out like that, he, it kills artists. The pain of that makes a lot of people never come back. Yeah. And he's like, that's a tragedy. Uh, and I I'd listened to that before even getting into this this road of uh selling out <laughs> which i had never wanted to say like you, you i yeah. think that's what a lot of people do too they just mask all of their bullshit with it's all about the music or it's they I, like i contorted it into it's i still love the music i still love these songs mm-hmm. whatever lie you need to tell yourself to just push it through and just choke it down mm-hmm. So don't, yeah, follow, I'd say really That's don't right. even take my advice. Um, do what you want to do. And uh, there's a deeper wisdom that's going to show you what you need to see. And if you're callous or won't see it, then what are, what are you going to listen to me for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm not a teacher. I, I literally have no, I have no... I don't feel like I need to tell anybody what to do. Uh, and there's a, there's a deeper thing that's going to show you. And it won't stop showing you, no matter how many times you fall down and keep doing the same dumb thing. It's just going to keep on saying, see, remember that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. For any artist that, you know, is going through that, you know, difficult time, do you have any encouraging words to them to help them maybe get out? Research on what was happening in me. Literally, when you are on this high of pursuing this dream and you're ramped up and you're going, boom, 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 we're going to make it, we're going to make it. When it all falls apart, um, your chemistry in your body, you're going to be depressed. I mean, just on like a physical level, the serotonin in your brain is it, it's like it's used to having this thing to feed on and this sense of uh, purpose and going forward. But sometimes, it, I mean, it just all just crashes and burns. Just give yourself patience and don't take on anything. Just give yourself some space. Uh, and actually, sometimes it can be enjoyable. And there's this, there's this peace, there's this peace um, in the midst of the debris the just the debris and mm-hmm. the wreckage uh, yeah you know, just be patient with yourself and give yourself a break I mean I feel like you've written so many songs over the years 
have you had any mentors or people along the way that have like helped you like I don't know if no yeah. no not really just this last go around with bang ups there's been a sort of mentor I yeah. I, I wouldn't call I, it yeah. something that I looked up to yeah. at all um um but yeah you just you get your hard knocks going at this and you enjoy it and you have this crazy desire to do it and you work and work then you kind of get a taste of what they actually how they actually work in the in the uh in this industry yeah and it's a reality check and it's holy oh, i've got to write so much more um in and it's got to be it, the quality has to be so high and this where i'm at now you have this it's a total curse of feeling like everything you do is awesome when, when you when you brush up against music it's so it's magical yeah um and you when you can put chords together and put melody to it i, I think it's definitely a curse to beginning writers and probably to a lot of more seasoned writers where they just think they're awesome yeah. uh, and I think uh, as you go along you just got to face reality like uh, you, you got to hold yourself to the standards of if you want to do this you got to hold yourself to the standards to the guys and girls that are doing it mm -hmm. um, and so for me I guess it wasn't direct mentors but it was looking at Rivers Cuomo on Pinkerton and saying, if I can't play those solos, um, then I don't deserve to do this. this. These are the bands I like, so I better be able to do what they can do. And some of the solos from the Kinks, just the way they play guitars, the songwriting quality, um, Jack White, all these guys. It's like, if you can't look at your stuff and clearly see that there's no bullshit in there, every part it's you're not like hoping that people don't notice that it's not quite up to par um it, you know that it's there and i think uh for me it was i better be on the floor blinded by the light of this thing so like my breath's taken away by how much i love it before it goes to anybody else because everybody else is just gonna go oh yeah that's that gave me a, a a little bit of a good feeling I'll listen to it maybe again or maybe yeah. I'll share it with somebody mm -hmm. but I mean even then most I mean no one's gonna care much less give you any money for it today. yeah um, but if, if you're gonna do it just set the bar high sort of thing I yeah think, I think that's how you get to that's huge yeah, yeah. That's where that's where you get to a point where you, you actually stand a chance to give anybody anything valuable the stage presence of the Bang Ups, like, have ha, has always been great. I mean, for me personally, I know I know that you, you don't what you you know what you think now, but like the show, I mean, I always loved like the performance mm -hmm. that you and Brent you know gave, and um, where where did that come from? Um, with like. Oh, the banter the and the moving yeah, around? The, yeah, the banter and the moving around and... Uh, the banter, I think the first inspiration for that came from John F. Kennedy's speech, um, like his big famous speech. 
yeah. asking out what you can do for your country. Just kind of catching, he, he starts low, and he has this rhythm, and he gets louder and louder, and all of a sudden, he's saying it like this, <laughs> and everybody kind of gets the ch a chill. It's just a yeah. little trick. That's all it is. Yeah. And you can literally just, off the top of your head, do that. Uh, <laughs> so that was an inspiration. Uh -huh. And then the moving around... I don't know where that came from. I didn't wasn't mimicking anybody. No. Um, who knows? It just came from the inside. Just, <laughs> it just yeah. came natural. Yeah, after, that's what it was. I would. Like, um, I was thinking about doing live shows, and I would just listen to our songs, in uh, or wherever I would practice, mm -hmm. and I would just dance to them. Yeah. And like, and it's um, I think it's like an inter, interp, interpretive thing. So you kind of meld a visual dance, visual representation right. of music um, with the song. Yeah, and then you get an entertaining thing. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I mean I'm biased because <laughs> managing <laughs> and everything. I've always loved your guys' music videos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've, you've had some really great ones, like, over the years with uh -huh. uh, the last one, like, Imposter. Yeah. And the, and the Michael Jackson. Definitely. Like, I, how, I how, like how, videos. How, how, did, how did that one come about? Oh, Brent, Brent did the entire uh, Imposter music video just blew my mind he um i think pr prior to that i had this idea that basically need like a 200 person crew sets and just obnoxiously elaborate and like way too much content mm -hmm. just crazy and then brent comes in with this just perfect simple charming idea and he basically yeah he basically just it just flowed through him. He he talked he talked about how it really wasn't a real um, strenuous thing to come up with. He just kind of let the idea grow and uh, it, and just let it kind of move through him, sort of thing. But yeah, he just start he storyboarded the whole thing out and kind of had the whole vibe, the way the shots would go. It was all Brent, almost entirely Brent. My end of that was basically just. Um, tracking down all the wardrobe and props yeah what's the theme of the video for the for people that like don't don't know oh, the theme of the video yeah. um it's a story about this kid who uh is like he dresses up like michael jackson in actually the kid in the video it's our uh, friend neil's son who is this great kid named jonas and he is obsessed with michael jackson and we had found out. Oh, that's out, perfect. Yeah, I didn't realize yeah, that. We, yeah. we had found out that he was doing dance lessons to dance like Michael Jackson. And uh, I think, I mean, obviously that's where Brent kind of was inspired. Jonas is awesome. Oh, Michael Jackson kid dressed up like, my, and, you know. Mm -hmm. And it, so anyway, he's got this crush on a girl who uh, she's a, she sells cookies for the Girl Scouts. And she comes to his door, and he answers the door, and is just just dumbfounded by her. And so uh, it's just this story of this kid who just keeps on making his dad buy him cookies. So this girl comes back to the their house again and again. And I I think he at some point it's been a long time since I've even thought about the video. Yeah. At some point he. Uh, 
confesses his love or says he kind of likes her and she kind of, no, I don't like you. And uh, it kind of climaxes with him going off and just dancing it out. He like needs to dance out all of this heartache. And so he's in this cool lit room dancing like Michael Jackson and, and then the Girl Scout cookie happens. To, <laughs> the Girl Scout cookie seller yeah. sees him in the window and she's like, whoa, he's so cool. And yeah, she then it flips and she likes him and he's like, uh, I don't think so. And, <laughs> and that's how it ends. It's pretty great. Uh, I That's like one thing that I've really enjoyed like working with both of you guys because you're both very visual people mm -hmm. of like with the music videos and with like the graphic design and everything like that. Like yeah. that's like been a big part of the bang ups. Yep, this is, we've always, we are we were always clear on the idea that bang ups does not hinge on the music alone that it's um multi-dimensional the the experience and that goes from what we wear to uh, the color scheme we use to album cover the obviously the live show um, visual stuff it all needs to harmonize for one overall big impact. And that's, I mean, you you look at the bands that did it and they're great, the great bands, mm -hmm. um, they all have that with the Beatles and the Ramones and Sex Pistols. Uh, they all have this aesthetic that harmonizes with the vibe of the band. So it's definitely not, if you're just doing music, um, I guess if you're an awesome person, that that's actually the best way. I mean, the way we did it isn't pure. It's like, how can we, which, I mean, it's pure, I guess. I mean, it's, it's pure. It's I conceptual mean, it's, art. Yeah. That's how we always looked at it. It wasn't necessary. We weren't necessarily trying to be ourselves. It was, what is the cool band? Like the whole thing, even, like down, not that we really, we weren't we weren't good actors, but I think ideally we would have loved to have been good actors. Yeah. And, and literally, like yeah. the Beatles, their characters. Um, they literally, like Elvis was not whatever he really is in real life mm -hmm. as Elvis. He was a character. Uh, so it's almost like it's like a TV show, or yeah, it's all theatrics. Yeah, yeah. So all the all the great. Musicians, a lot of the great musicians become actors, because it's it's just. I mean, Iggy, you listen. It's the persona. It, it, and this isn't bullshit. This isn't selling out. Iggy Pop says the same stuff. Who is an actor? Uh, and he'll 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 talk about it. It's just a big performance, an act. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, everyone has their persona that they put out into the world, whether you're up on stage or. Yeah. You know, if it's like, if that's your true self or not. So, right. yeah. Yeah, and then I think, going back to identity, if you don't know who you are and you haven't deep down accepted yourself, then you're not going to have any sort of foundation to create something or be, embody an, an idea or a, a persona that is really going to be giving life. Because people smell it on a deep level, I think, that that dude or that girl is dying to feel okay about themselves. 
and it's not attractive. <laughs> it's not attractive at all. <laughs> I mean, there's something, yeah, there's, I think it, you, the, you can't really pinpoint it exactly, except for you're like, I don't want to be around that. There, the, the heart of that is not giving. Yeah, it's not genuine or, yeah. Um, Yeah. That's good stuff. Good stuff, Jelly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And it's so good talking to you. I'm happy to do it. It's good to have you back in Michigan. Woohoo! Michigan! <laughs> Thanks again to Joey for being on the show and for the theme music. Until next time, this has been the I Love Music Podcast with Jen Fedor. <laughs>